What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And on this episode, I'm here with my week four NFL previews and predictions. We're going to be talking about the Carolina Panthers taking on the Dallas Cowboys, the Browns and the Vikings, the Cardinals taking on the LA Rams and my game of the week. And lastly, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Green Bay Packers. Now, if this is your first time listening and tuning in to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. Make sure that you follow me on my social media platforms. My Instagram and Twitter is both at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Make sure that you go ahead, subscribe over there so you can go ahead and catch the visual version of the podcast. We have the 3-0 Carolina Panthers taking on the 2-1 Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are a 4.5-point favorite going into this game. This game is going to be played 1 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Now, this game was really close to being my game of the week, but the Cardinals and the Rams is just really interesting because you have two undefeated teams. But Carolina has surprised a lot of people. Me personally, I'm not surprised because if you guys have been around or you've been subscribed to the channel dating back all the way to the off season around May or June, I was telling a lot of people that, hey, man, don't sleep on Carolina. I think Carolina is going to surprise a lot of people. And we had Carolina around eight to 11 wins this year. So far, they have performed really well. They got a good win against the Houston Texans, 24 to nine. I know a lot of people don't really have a lot of high expectations for Houston, but Houston is going to end up improving as we progress throughout the NFL season. Houston is a really well-coached team. That Houston team is a really good win because I promise you by the end of this season, Houston is going to end up getting better. And when you look at Dallas, Dallas got a dominating victory this past Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles, 41 to 21. This Dallas Cowboys defense looks like it's coming around, okay? Like, I know they got ran out the building defensively by Tampa Bay, but we can't forget that they did force a lot of turnovers in this game. And what's so good about this Dallas Cowboys defense, to me, is how good this defense is when it comes to forcing turnovers. And we got to give a lot of props to Dan Quinn for the job he's done so far. Now, I'm not fully sold on the Dallas Cowboys defense. I still need three to four more weeks before I can go ahead and make my judgment on this defense but so far I like what Dan Quinn has done with the defense so far and we got to give a lot of kudos to Trayvon Diggs right now going into his sophomore year in the NFL he is having a monster season do you know that Trayvon Diggs has had an interception in the last three games dating back to week one against Tampa Bay the previous week and this past week against Philadelphia he's going to end up having a all pro season like he has desperately been the number one cornerback that the Dallas Cowboys have been looking for that's also good at not only in coverage but can also make plays on the ball and Byron Jones was really good but one thing that Byron Jones never really did was force a lot of turnovers he was always really good when it came to shutting down his wide receiver not being targeted all that often but he didn't really have a lot of interceptions on a year-to-year basis you look at 
Trayvon Diggs, he's making those plays, he's being aggressive, and he's been a really big reason why this Dallas Cowboys defense has played pretty solid over the last two weeks. Now for Carolina, their defense has also been really good so far this year, but this is going to be the best offense that this Carolina defense has been matched up against up to this point in the season. You played Houston, their offense isn't really nothing to write home about, especially with Tyrod Taylor being out. The New Orleans Saints offense isn't really all that explosive neither, and we already know what the New York Jets are right now. They haven't really been able to get anything going offensively since the season kicked off. So when you look at Carolina, this is going to be the first major test for this defense. Now, I'm not saying that I don't have confidence in this Carolina Panthers defense, and I'm not saying that this defense is fluke. I'm saying that this is going to be a really big indicator in determining just how great this Carolina Panthers defense is. Because before the season, I've had the feeling that this defense could be a top in defense this year, I think this is going to be a pretty good indicator. Now, when you look at Dallas, okay, this is a pretty explosive offense. They're averaging seven and a half yards per pass. And when you look at Carolina, they are pretty good at limiting the big plays. Now, although that is because they haven't really faced the offense that's that good at stretching the field, Dallas is definitely going to test this defense in that aspect. Now, I hope that C.J. Henderson plays in this game. He was recently traded by the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Carolina Panthers. He's currently listed as questionable, so we don't know if he's going to suit up or play in this game or not. I hope that he plays in this game because I think he will provide another big addition to that defense. And C.J. Henderson is no scrub. I'm still puzzled why the Jacksonville Jaguars got rid of him. I understand that he had some injury issues and stuff like that, but when C.J. Henderson was on the field, he was pretty productive. He had a pretty solid rookie year. He probably was the second best rookie corner, either the second or third best rookie corner behind Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Johnson. So CJ Henderson is no scrub. CJ Henderson can play. He just can't stay healthy. But if he can stay healthy for Carolina, then you got a damn good addition. So Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has been balling so far this year. 888 passing yards, three touchdowns, only one interception, completing 68% of his passes. He's been really effective. What is he going to do against a Dallas Cowboys coach defense that is really good at forcing turnovers? And another intriguing matchup to watch is going to be DJ Moore versus Trayvon Diggs. Now, Trayvon Diggs when he's been matched up against the opposing team's number one wide receiver, he pretty much has shut him down. Every single number one wide receiver he's been matched up against, he's had really good performances against. He was really good against Mike Evans week one. Last week, he was really good against Devontae Smith. So I want to see DJ Moore going against Trayvon Diggs and who's going to end up winning that matchup. And if you're a fantasy football owner watching this video and you have DJ Moore on your team, that is something to keep tabs on because every single wide receiver that Trayvon Diggs has matched up against or shadowed, they haven't really had a lot of success. Even Keenan Allen, when Dallas faced them off in week two, most of his success came when Trayvon Diggs wasn't guarding him. So keep an eye on that if you're a fantasy football owner. I'm not telling you not to play DJ Moore, but Trayvon Diggs has had a lot of success when he's been matched up against the opposing team's number one wide receiver. Now for the Dallas Cowboys, I wonder 
if they're going to be able to get the pass rush going in this game because the pass rush still really hasn't been there they still haven't really been all that good at producing sacks which is why this defense I'm still a little bit hesitant on because I still want to see if this pass rush is going to improve now Christian McCaffrey is injured and we don't really know when he is going to come back so a rookie running back out of Oklahoma State Chuba Hubbard is going to get the start and Chuba Hubbard got a couple of carries last week he had 11 attempts for 52 rushing yards I wonder how effective is he going to be because you look at how effective Austin Eckler was when the Dallas Cowboys played the LA Chargers I'm wondering if Chuba Hubbard could have that same kind of performance because Chuba Hubbard I think he's really good catching the ball out of the backfield now he's not as good as a wide receiver or as good as a receiving back as Christian McCaffrey is but he can definitely do some damage and a lot of people were wondering why the Panthers decided to go ahead and draft Chuba Hubbard well, you do have the injury concerns there for Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, now it looks like that ended up being a really good pick. A lot of people criticized it at the time. One thing about Chuba Hubbard. He's really explosive when he gets into the open field. He's really hard to bring down in the open field as well. And he's a little bit of a stronger runner than what a lot of people give him credit for. A lot of people think that Chuba Herbert is just pure speed. He also is pretty good running the ball in between the tackles. I don't think enough people give him credit. And he can also make some things happen after contact. So I'm really excited about Chuba Herbert. I picked him up on a couple of my fantasy football leagues. I'm hoping that he ends up having a really good game. But the linebackers for Dallas have improved a lot. They have improved tremendously. And it's not like Dallas didn't have talent at linebacker. They just had talented linebackers who weren't playing up to their skill set. Lynn Van Der Esk, you look at Jalen Smith, like they have a lot of linebackers. They're doing a lot of interesting things with rookie Michael Parsons. One week he's playing linebacker, the other week he's playing edge. Like they're utilizing him in a lot of creative ways. You also got Keanu Neal. So there's a lot of talented linebackers that the Dallas Cowboys have that can do a multitude of things. And there's even more linebackers who I haven't even mentioned yet. But I think this game is going to come down to which team is going to be able to be effective on third down. I think when you look at the Joe Brady offense, he is really efficient. It's not all about the big plays with him. It's always about just trying to get yards, whether it's a two-yard gain or three-yard gain or 12-yard gain is all about moving the ball and being able to sustain drives. So I wonder if the Dallas Cowboys defense is going to be able to get off the field in those third-down situations with Carolina. And for Carolina, okay, are you going to be able to get this Dallas Cowboys offense to a point that you're going to be able to neutralize some of the big plays that they have in the passing game? You also got to account for the two-headed attack that they have with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard seems to be more of their primary pass catching back so you definitely got to keep an eye out on that so I'm going to go with Carolina to get the win I know that they're an underdog in this game. I know a lot of people are choosing Dallas to pull off the win in this game, but I'm going to go with Carolina because the reason why I take Carolina is simply for the fact that this is a team that doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. 
This is also a team that's very well coached. And I'm really high on this Dallas Cowboys defense, but I don't think they're going to force a turnover in this game. And even if they do, I still feel like Carolina's going to be able to come up on top because I'm really confident in this Carolina Panthers defense that they're going to be able to make the necessary stops needed to win this game. So give me Carolina 27 to 20 is my final score prediction in this game. The Cleveland Browns, 2-1 are going on the road to face the 1-2 Minnesota Vikings. The Cleveland Browns are a two-point favorite in this game. This game is going to be played on CBS with a 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Cleveland crushed Chicago last week, 26-6. They had nine sacks on rookie quarterback Justin Fields, who was making his NFL debut. And that defense put on a show. They put a shellacking on Chicago. Well, you're facing a better opponent this week than what you were last week. So I'm not expecting this Browns defense to replicate the performance that they had last week against a lackluster offensive line. But you also have a Minnesota offense right now that is really peaking and is led by quarterback Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is quietly having a great season. Haven't really seen nobody in the national media talking about it. You know, everybody's been talking about Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray, but nobody's been talking about Kirk Cousins. And if we're being real, you know, the Minnesota Vikings easily could be 3-0, but they've had some things that haven't really went their way. You had a fumble, which ended up leading to them losing one game. You had a missed field goal in another game. So... The reason why Minnesota is 1-2 and two isn't because of Kirk Cousins. That's just a popular narrative that a lot of people, for some reason, have. They like to blame Kirk Cousins for the Minnesota Vikings' shortcomings. And although Kirk Cousins does have some games when he doesn't play up to par, most of the time, Kirk Cousins is pretty good. So I hope that Kirk Cousins has a good game against Cleveland because this is going to be a game that a lot of people are going to have their eyes on. And I really don't feel like enough people are giving Kirk Cousins the credit he deserves like Kirk Cousins isn't a bad quarterback I don't know why people will continue to say that but when you look at Kirk Cousins so far this season 918 pass yards eight touchdowns zero interceptions completing 73 percent of his passes he has done everything that Minnesota has asked him to do and more and like I said if it wasn't for a couple of plays the Minnesota Vikings could easily be three and no so you look at Cleveland right now Cleveland is really rolling on offense, even though they have had some injuries at wide receiver. Jarvis Landry is injured, but you still do have Donovan Peoples-Jones, Odell returned. And I think that the wide receivers for Cleveland and Peoples-Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. could be in for a big game against this Minnesota Vikings defense that is allowing too many big plays. They're pretty much... Second to last in the NFL in yards per play. They're allowing 6.8 yards per play. They're also second to last in yards per pass. They're allowing nine yards per pass attempt. And they're 28th in rushing yards per attempt. They're allowing 4.8 yards per rush. So this is a Minnesota Vikings defense that still has a lot of troubles that they had last year when it comes to how they match up against allowing big plays. So I'm looking at Mike Zimmer. He's facing his former coordinator and Kevin Stefanski and I want to see what new wrinkles are both of these guys going to bring to the table because Mike Zimmer knows Kevin Stefanski he knows what Kevin Stefanski wants to do he knows that Kevin Stefanski wants to get that run game going and he wants to set up play action and Mike Zimmer knows that 
His defense is probably going to get gassed if they allow Cleveland to set up the run game because once that run game gets going and you can get that play action pass game going, that's pretty much wraps if you ask me because you look at how many big plays this Minnesota Vikings defense has surrendered over the last couple of weeks. It's been a lot. So for Mike Zimmer, he's probably going to throw a lot of exotic looks at Baker Mayfield. He's probably going to throw a lot of exotic blitzes at Baker Mayfield, try to get pressure on them. Cleveland does have a really good offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, but Minnesota has also been pretty good at getting pressure on the QB this year. So that's going to be a really intriguing match matchup to watch and if you're Kevin Stefanski okay how are you going to game plan for the looks that Mike Zimmer is going to give you so both of these guys pretty much have a pretty good grasp on what the other is going to try to do so I'm pretty sure they're going to end up going into their bag of trips and trying to throw some new wrinkles out there something that nobody has ever seen before so I think that's a re that's going to be a really exciting match that I'm interested in seeing a lot of people always focused on what goes on on the field but you got to remember football is not just a game of trying to knock the opposing team's head off it's also a strategy game it's also kind of like playing chess it's all about maneuvering your players in the proper places to have success or putting them in the right situations to have success and that's why matchups like this that are going to be dictated on terms of what happens on the sidelines between Mike Zimmer who's known as a defensive guru versus Kevin Stefanski who's known as an offensive minded coach that's always an intriguing matchup to watch now for Cleveland they're fifth in the NFL in yards per play so I think that Cleveland definitely has a mismatch if they're able to get the run game established going against that Minnesota Vikings secondary because I told a lot of people in the preseason that Minnesota secondary didn't look all that great. And a lot of people like, oh, JT, it's just preseason. You know, nobody's really playing for in the preseason. I was like, okay, you can say that. But, you know, isn't that a starter? Isn't Cameron Dantzler a starter? And a lot of people told me, don't worry about it. Well, those same problems are still happening. So I look at Cleveland, man. I think Baker Mayfield can have a career day. Now, Dalvin Cook, don't know if he's going to play in this game. But to be quite frankly with you, I don't really think it matters if he plays or doesn't play because Alexander Madison had a really good performance last week against Seattle. And I've been trying to tell people that Alexander Madison could be a starter on a handful of NFL teams. He basically is like a discount version of Dalvin Cook in terms of what he's able to do. So for Minnesota, their wide receivers has also had a lot of success. You look at Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen is racking up a lot of touchdowns. So this is going to be a really intriguing matchup to watch for a Browns defense that so far looks like they have come on over the last past couple of weeks. Now, I want to see how they're going to game plan for Miles Garrett because I think one of their offensive tackles is a backup who's supposed to be starting because Christian Derrissaw, I believe, is still injured. I don't know if he's going to play in this game. So if he doesn't play in this game, then Miles Garrett is going to be matched up against a backup. So what are the game plans going to be for trying to maintain and handle Miles Garrett? Are you going to try to double team him? Are you going to try to chip him with a tight end or a running back? Don't really know, but you can't allow Miles Garrett to dictate the outcome of this game because 
last week. Chicago allowed that to happen, and that was also another reason why they lost that game. Not just because the bad play calling, but also because they didn't really have a proper game plan for trying to stop Miles Garrett because he tortured Jason Peters. God help Jason Peters, man. But the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm going to take Minnesota. And that's probably going to be a surprise to a lot of people. But I think that Minnesota is one of those teams that is better than what their record may indicate. Because a lot of people always feel like you're just as good as what your record indicates. That's not always the case. Because if you go back, like I said earlier, and watch that week one game that they had when they lost to Cincinnati and you look at the games that they lost, you know, like they've all came down to, you know, one play really. And those are games that could have easily went in Minnesota's favor if the ball would have bounced in their favor or in their direction. So Minnesota to me is one of the better teams in the NFL right now. And I think they're going to end up pulling off the upset against Cleveland. Give me Minnesota to win. 35 to 31. I think this is going to be a high scoring matchup. I think that Cleveland's offense is definitely going to be able to rack up a lot of yardage on this Minnesota Vikings secondary because they're not good at, you know, minimizing big plays. So I think we're going to see Odell and Donovan Peoples-Jones go off. But at the end of the day, though, I think that Minnesota's offense, if they have the ball in their hands last, I think they're going to be able to pull it off. So give me Minnesota. Next up in my game of the week, we have the battle of the NFC West unbeatens. The Arizona Cardinals traveling on the road to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. The Rams are a four and a half point favorite. This game is going to be played on Fox with a 4.05 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. The Cardinals defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars last week 31 to 19. Now, I was watching that game and I thought that Jacksonville was going to end up winning that game because Jacksonville ended up coming back and then next thing you know, I changed the channel for one second and Arizona won the freaking game so you know you look at Arizona Kyler Murray has performed really well especially when you look at what he's able to do with a improved offensive line but one of my concerns is the offensive line and it's not because I don't think the offensive line isn't good but it's because you know a couple of their starters are questionable to play in this game Kevin Beecham and Justin Pugh so we don't know if those guys want to be able to suit up and play so Aaron Darnold Aaron Donald, man, like, how are you going to game plan for him? If you're not going to have two of your best offensive linemen playing, what are you going to do to game plan to stop Aaron Donald? Because you can't let Aaron Donald dictate how this game goes because Aaron Donald, are you going to try not to run his way? Are you going to try to run the opposite direction? Are you going to try to triple team block him? Like, what are you going to do? Because without Justin Pugh and Kevin Beecham, I think those are two significant losses, especially when it comes to matching up against a really athletic LA Rams defense that definitely I feel like could keep Kyler Murray contained. And I'm not saying they're going to stop Kyler Murray because guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are always going to get theirs. But are you going to try to neutralize how effective Kyler Murray is in the run game and force him to beat you throwing the football, not with his legs. Now, would the Rams off the line hold up against the Arizona Cardinals pass rush? Arizona, 
You look at Chandler Jones, he is currently in the doghouse right now in terms of leading the NFL in sacks. And you look at the Rams, they are second in the NFL, allowing the least amount of sacks per game. And they performed really well against Tampa Bay last week. They only gave up one sack against a very good Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line. So you have a battle between... Two good offenses that are really good at having explosive plays. Arizona is third in the NFL in yards per play. And the LA Rams are second in the NFL in yards per play. So which defense is going to be able to minimize how many big plays they're going to give up? Because you're not going to stop the Rams offense for having no big plays for more than 20 yards. You're not going to stop Arizona for not having any big plays for 20 or more yards. But my question is, are you going to be able to minimize how many of those big plays they're going to have in this game? Now you look at Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has been going absolutely crazy. Matthew Stafford's been balling, and so far he's been my leader in the MVP discussion, even though it's way too early for that, but he's been balling with Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Robert Woods. We saw Deshaun Jackson appearance last week. Haven't really heard much of Deshaun Jackson over the last couple of years. He made an appearance. You look at the play calling for Sean McVay, man, like Sean McVay is cutting, the, is cutting loose. Like when you think of Sean McVay, you think of Sean McVay, who normally wants to run a balanced offense. You know, everything's pretty short, intermediate. But you look at Matthew Stafford, man, they're slinging that thing. They're slinging the ball all over the field. And then you look at Arizona, their secondary has performed pretty well. You look at Byron Murphy, he's really coming into his own. I think he's also having a really good year. Nobody's really talking about it. So this is an Arizona Cardinals secondary that looks pretty solid. And I want to see how they match up against the receivers of the LA Rams. But what I'm most excited side about is the battle between this Rams secondary versus the wide receivers of Arizona. No offense to the wide receivers of the Rams and the secondary of the Cardinals, but you know, it's always interesting when you see DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey match up because those are two physical players. You look at DeAndre Hopkins, probably the most physical wide receiver in the league going against Jalen Ramsey, who probably is the most physical cornerback in the league. That's a really interesting matchup to watch. You also got to look out for cornerback Darius Williams, who is the second cornerback on the LA Rams roster behind Jalen Ramsey. He had a really good season last year, and I want to see who he's going to be matched up against because the Cardinals have a lot of talented wide receivers on this roster. Look at Rondell Moore. Are they going to try to get him incorporated in this game? So there's a lot of wide receivers who, if you're the Rams, you're going to wonder what kind of personnel you're going to come out to try to defend these looks because these Rams wide receivers, they're good but these Cardinals wide receivers they're also really good so I want to see how they're going to try to game plan for that now if you are Arizona okay you're going to say we have Chandler Jones and we have J.J. Watt those guys want to be able to get pressure on Matthew Stafford and limit how many big passing plays they have because a big way of limiting those big plays in the passing game is being able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. So you look at Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, are they going to be able to get to Matthew Stafford? Tampa Bay wasn't able to do it last week. Are you capable of doing it? Now, for the Rams, you have Aaron Donald. We know he's a freak of nature, but you also have other guys who are more than capable of being able to get pressure on Kyler Murray. The concern is, can you keep Kyler Murray inside the pocket? Because when Kyler Murray is at his best, when he's outside the pocket, extending plays, or making 
making things happen with his legs. So if you are the Rams, what is going to be your game plan for trying to keep Kyler Murray contained? You're not going to stop him. You can only hope to contain him. Now, the Rams' third down offense is currently the third best in the NFL. They convert on third downs 54% of the time, which is really important because if you can have a lot of success on third downs, that means you can keep your offense on the field and you can keep the drive alive. Well, Arizona has the second best third down defense in the NFL. They only allow their opposing opponents to convert on third downs 25% of the time. I think this is a really important stat to keep up with. I'm not a big stats guy, but a reason why this is really important because you look at the Rams offense if they're going if they're not able to keep um the drive alive on third down then that's going to be a big boost to Arizona because if you're somebody who's predicated on the big play sometimes you can get too overly reliant on the big play okay so for the Rams normally if you're good in third downs you're efficient offense I feel like if the Rams struggle on third downs in this game, they could end up being in a lot of trouble because then they could try to force the issue. So I'm really excited for how the Rams third down offense is going to do against Arizona's third down defense. Now, Sonny Michelle is starting and replace of the injured Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson missed last week because he had a rib injury. He's still listed as questionable. We don't know if he's going to play in this game. I want to see if they're going to be able to get the run game going. I want to see if the Rams can establish the run game. Because I really feel like if they can get the run game going, they can run for over 100 yards in this game, then they're more than likely going to end up winning this matchup. Now, I think that Arizona's pass defense is better than their run defense. I don't care what the stats say. I think that linebacker is kind of the weakness for Arizona. And I know Cardinals fans are going to get mad. You're going to be like, oh, we got Isaiah Simmons. But I really feel like if they can get the run game going, they can get um, Sonny Michelle going in this game or Darrell Henderson, rather he plays or not, then I think that the Rams are most likely going to end up winning this game because if they can run for over 100 yards I think that's going to be really big because then you're going to keep Kyler Murray in that offense off the field and on top of that you probably could say the same thing about Arizona but Arizona is more of a pass heavy team versus being a run heavy team even though they have had success running the football you also got to incorporate what Kyler Murray does with his legs so the team I'm going to take the win I'm going to take the Rams to win and I'm going to take them to cover I think they win this game 31 to 20. I think they're going to win this game by more than 10 points. And the reason why is because we don't know the status of the offensive line for Arizona. Kevin Beecham and Justin Pugh, they're currently listed as questionable. We don't know if they're going to be ready to go. But also on top of that, I really like the Rams secondary. I think the Rams secondary is going to be able to force a couple of turnovers. I know that Arizona has a really good pass rush, but if the Rams can establish the run game and keep this defense on its heels in terms of not knowing what's going to happen next. I think that that could be a big reason why the Rams can win this game. So I'm going to take the LA Rams to win this matchup. You guys let me know who you guys have winning down in the comment section down below. Now, the last game that we have to talk about, we have the 1-2 Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Lambeau Field to take on the 2-1 Green Bay Packers. 
This game is going to be played on CBS with a 4.25 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. The Packers are currently a six and a half point favorite in this game. Last time we saw Pittsburgh, they lost to Cincinnati 24 to 10. And it seemed like this game was a little bit more one-sided. And once again, the Steelers cannot get the offense going. Big Ben. A lot of people are asking, should he be benched? Did you try to put in Dwayne Haskins? Or Mason Rudolph. Well, we don't know what's happening with Dwayne Haskins because he's currently listed as questionable on the injury report with a face injury. So if Big Ben was to get pulled in this game, we probably most likely would see Mason Rudolph. Now, the offensive flaws for Pittsburgh is not all of Big Ben's fault. Everybody keeps trying to make it out like Big Ben is the problem. He's not the problem, but he's part of the problem. I think Ben Roethlisberger is injured, and he's trying to play through the injury. And on top of that, he's also regressing. And he's giving me 2015 Peyton Manning vibes. You guys remember what happened to Peyton Manning his last year playing for the Denver Broncos when they won that Super Bowl? He had a good first two weeks, then Thursday night against Kansas City. He broke some record. And then after that, father time caught up to him. And he wasn't the same. He had to miss uh, pretty much a big chunk of the season. That's when we saw Brock Eisweiler ball out. He got Denver to the playoffs. And then once he came back, you know, Denver didn't really ask him to do that much. You got to remember, this was a Peyton Manning who couldn't really throw the football downfield more than 30 yards so for Pittsburgh you got to try to get the run game going well the run game hasn't really gotten going because Pittsburgh is still having problems trying to run the football and on top of that Two of their starting offensive linemen in Kendrick Green and Okorafor currently are listed as questionable. And Okorafor most likely may not play because he has a concussion or he's in the concussion protocol. So the Pittsburgh Steelers could be without him. So for Najee Harris, he's going to be the vocal point of the Steelers offense. Rather that be running the football or in the passing game. Because not only are two starters on the offensive line questionable for Pittsburgh, but two of their best wide receivers in Judas Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson are also listed as questionable. So for Pittsburgh, you have an offense that was already struggling. Now you have an offense that's going to be maybe without some of their best players on the offensive line and that wide receiver. So for Najee Harris, the Steelers are going to be calling on him a lot in this game, not only trying to get the run game going, but also trying to get the passing game going. Now, one thing about Pittsburgh is that they still are committed towards getting the run game going. You know, Najee Harris had 14 attempts last week for 40 yards, so they're still committed to running the football. It's not like they're only giving him three, four carries, and then they're just completely abandoning the run game. They're still committed to it. But you have to ask yourself at what point is the run game finally going to get going? Now, you look at Green Bay, their linebackers aren't really all that great. So if you could get some decent run blocking up front, you could have a okay day running the football on this Packers defense. I'm not saying that they are. I'm saying that you could have a okay day. I'm not saying that Pittsburgh's going to come in and run for 150 yards plus or something like that. But Pittsburgh could have a solid day on the ground if they could get some solid run blocking up front. Now for Green Bay, okay, what do you have to do to win this game? Well, first... 
Don't turn the football over. Because when you have an offense that's struggling, you don't want to give them the ball back and then potentially they have an extra possession, maybe on a short field. So you don't want to help this Steelers offense or assist this Steelers offense in any way. On top of that, this Packers defense needs to force the Steelers to throw the football downfield. This Steelers offense hasn't really changed all that much. I thought it would. I thought Matt Canada would be innovative, but you know, he's just doing this simple jet motion offense that really isn't confusing the defense. You know, he's not really doing anything. You can't really get play action going because you don't have enough time to settle play action. And on top of that, not only do you not have enough time to settle play action, but you're not fooling anybody because you can't even have success running the football and you can't do play action if you can't run the football because defenses are going to bottom the play action fake because you you're not a threat to run the football so for green bay if I'm their deep to corner, I'm saying this is what we're going to do. We're going to play up on these wide receivers. We're going to jam these wide receivers, especially if Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster don't play because then you're looking at backup wide receivers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are pretty good when it comes to producing good wide receivers. But you're going to have James Washington and Chase Claypool if Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster don't play. And we saw this Steelers wide receiving core, or at least the backups that were in, like Ray Ray McLeod, have a good amount of drops. So if you're Green Bay, I would simply play up on these wide receivers and force Big Ben to throw the football downfield. Now, I still feel like Big Ben does have the arm strength to throw the football deep. Like, people act like he can't throw the football deep at all. I think he still does have a good amount of arm strength to throw the football downfield. Now, can he do it consistently? I don't really think so, but I really feel like if Green Bay can stop this short pass attack for Pittsburgh... They're most likely going to win this game because Pittsburgh's short pass game is also heavily utilized on third downs. That's why Pittsburgh is somewhat effective in third down situations, even though they can't run the football on third downs all that much because they utilize a short pass attack. So if Green Bay just plays up and they say, hey, man, you can... You can try to beat us deep. We want you to try to beat us deep. So if you're a Packers fan and you're getting beat by the Pittsburgh Steelers um, down the field, you have no problem with that. Because at the end of the day, they're bread and brothers doing this little short slant routes and these bubble screens and all that other stuff, man. So if you're Green Bay, you want Pittsburgh to force you to beat you downfield. Now, if you're the Steelers defense, you got to be able to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. You got to be able to keep him inside the pocket. You don't want him to extend plays and start creating and start being a bad man. And it's going to start with the pass rush. Well, the pass rush right now is kind of a question outside of um, Cam Hayward. You don't know the status of TJ Watt, who currently still listed as questionable with that groin injury, and Alex Highsmith. So somebody's going to have to step up off the edge. Melvin Ingram's going to have to step up. Somebody's going to have to step up in this play. Maybe Mike Tom's going to try to send some exotic blitzes at Aaron Rodgers to try to create some extra pressure. But you do have Cam Hayward, who has been playing very, very well this year. He Cam Hayward's been balling out. Not enough people are talking about it. So for Pittsburgh, man, like this is going to be a really tough game for them. But one thing that you do have going is that you have a really good defense. Your defense is going to keep you in the game. Like Pittsburgh's defense, regardless of how bad the offense plays, is going to keep them in this game, at least heading into the fourth quarter. The question is, can the Steelers get enough plays on offense to be able to put some points on the board? And we're not talking about field goals. We're talking about touchdowns. And really, the only way the Steelers offense really gets going is if they are 
are able to get a penalty, you know, like a pass interference or a big holding call downfield on the defense. That seems like the only way they're able to move the ball down the field is when the defense is committing penalties. So if you're Green Bay, if you can stay disciplined and force Pittsburgh to have to sustain drives, you have a good chance of winning this game. So I'm going to take Green Bay to win this game. And it, it, it hurts me to say this because I am a Steelers fan. But, you know, I just don't really think that this offense is going to be able to muster up anything. For Pittsburgh to win games now, they have to rely on their defense. And their defense pretty much has to do everything. They have to get stops. They have to get turnovers. They probably got to help the offense win the field position battle. So I don't really think that this Steelers defense is going to be able to win them this game by themselves going against Aaron Rodgers. Because normally when you face Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't really turn a football over that much he doesn't really make a lot of mistakes so for Pittsburgh man like they're gonna have their work cut out for him and also we don't know the status of TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith two of their best pass rushers out you still do have Cam Hayward but man I don't really know man this is gonna be a tall task asking the Steelers defense to win the game by themselves this offense is gonna have to be able to do something and to be quite frankly with you I don't really know if they're going to be able to do it. But if you're looking at this from a fantasy football perspective, you know, start Najee Harris because I definitely feel like Najee Harris is going to eat in this game. But I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers to win this game at home. 27-17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking the Packers. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that if you guys enjoyed this episode that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Also, make sure that you share this podcast with your friends, family, and acquaintances on your social media pages. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.